Welcome everyone to Good Night and Good Game, your source for geek news for the week that it was. I'm your host James, and with me, as always, is my wonderful co-host Hector. Hello. This week on the show after the news, we're going to be talking about the current state of Xbox as a system and platform, and what might be next for them in light of current news. Before we start, don't forget that you can head over to goodnight.gg, where as a patron of our show, you can suggest topics for us to talk about. If you're missing our every episode that we used to do, like we used to be a weekly show, now we're, we're doing the bi-weekly show thing. Um, if you go over to Patreon, we have smaller episodes, but we've been uh, covering films. Yeah. Uh, we just wrapped up our horror arc and are entering now the action movie arc. Exactly. Um, so it's going to be very fascinating to have Hector teach me about uh, action movies and what I've been apparently missing out on for decades. Yeah, for anyone who doesn't know, the series of movies is literally us introducing each other to movies that we love that the other has never seen before. And the yeah. other one basically gets to spend an episode reacting to it. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. So, yeah. Please come over there, be a patron if you want to just catch those mini episodes. They're usually somewhere between 15 and 30 minutes, but they're very easily digestible. Ooh, I can Mm -hmm. talk today. Um, And a lot of fun. So, all right, let's get on with the show. With all that out of the way, it's time for The Prelude. Prelude. Hey everyone, welcome to The Prelude. It's time to dive into what we've been up to this week, what we've been playing, what we've been watching, what's been occupying our free time, and what has been making us happy. I know that we've been gone for a hot minute, but this week, instead of throwing a ton of stuff at you that we've been playing, etc., we wanted to briefly talk about something that we did last week. Yeah. You see, we found ourselves out in Vegas for a work function. Work was like, hey, go to Vegas and do a thing. And we're like, yes, work. We will go do the thing in Vegas. Mm-hmm. So we went and did that. And while we were there, we came across this little bar. And it's called the Millennium Fandom Bar. And it just happened, just so happened, coincidentally, as the fates would have it, it was May the 4th, and we were at the Millennium Fandom Bar. We were at the Nerd Bar in Vegas. Yeah. So, Hector Tell me about your experience at the Millennium Fandom Bar. So you walk up to this, like, off the strip, like, uh, you know, unassuming what looks like uh, an apartment building on top and stores on bottom sort of situation. And in one of the doors, I walked by and I saw this, like, almost what looked like a prop, but um, like a hollowed out prop or cutout of a TIE fighter Mm -hmm. just sitting there in the window. And I'm like, oh, that's really cool. It looked like some kind of art exhibit or something, but I knew we were going to a bar, so I was like, that can't be us. Right. And we, we go through a door, and <clears throat> there is a gentleman there uh, in full cosplay, holding a sword, asking to see our IDs. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And so, holding a sword? He was holding a lightsaber, my friend. Was it a lightsaber? It was a lightsaber, Someone yeah. else had a, like, totally Conan-esque sword. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, it was, it was the lightsaber was the first thing I was yeah, on. The, yeah. yeah, he absolutely had a lightsaber. I mm. think the doorman changed while we were there. <laughs> right. We were there for a little while. Um, but yeah, we walk into this bar and literally wall-to-wall, corner-to-corner, from the paint to the sconces to... Every single decoration was a reference to something sci-fi or fantasy, some kind of nerd thing, some artifact. Mm-hmm. Some t- a lot of it was original art from local artists, mm-hmm. um, but a- some of them were actual movie props from the actual movies. Um, a lot of everything was themed. Everything was intentional. Everything on the walls was put in place with a purpose to give you a specific feel about that corner mm-hmm. of the room. Mm-hmm. It was. So meticulously curated. I was. I, I have picked. I, I took pictures of every wall, every surface. Uh, yeah, just a, a, a truly wonderful place to walk into on May the fourth, where everyone at the bar that yeah. we approached, either behind or in front, all dressed up, working or not working, was completely dressed up, yeah. either Star Wars related, um, or in full cosplay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's absolutely and I, incredible. And I want to point out that, like, not only is this just a bar, not only do they have, like, you know, drinks and food and all the things that one would expect from a bar, um, but they have, like, a local artist gallery mm-hmm. where you can, it only opens after a certain point after the bar is open, and local artists have their pieces back there that you can buy. Yeah. You can go through, see what they've done. And there were some great pieces, not only that were Star Wars or Star Trek related, but were just nerd in general. There was this gorgeous Nightmare Before Christmas piece. Oh, um, yeah, with the Day of the Dead art. Like, yeah. Like, oh, oh, it was so good. Absolutely beautiful. I still yeah. have I, I, I still have that artist in my phone right now because I need to call her and ask her if I can have a print of that. 
Yeah. Like yeah. absolutely beautiful. We walk through, um, I, I don't want to give away all the decorations if you've never been before. One of the things I will say is pay attention to the four corners of the room. They are mm-hmm. themed. Yeah. And then try and figure out where the thing in the middle belongs. Yeah. You just have to understand, you know, what is missing. Yep. And so that's one of the great things that we did. We got to go there. All the, obviously all the drinks are nerd themed. Oh yeah. Um, I had a 28 days later. I had an, I love you 3000. Oh yeah. I, I actually, so the funny part about this whole thing is the nerd that I am. Uh, the great thing about the game, vampire, the masquerade, if you've never played it, is it is a vampire game in which it takes place in modern times for the most part. Um, and so characters tend to dress Normally, which means if I make a character and I dress up as my character, you probably don't know that I'm dressed up as my character unless I point that out to you because that's just how they dress. They dress like normal ass people. And I had a character from my game in November that I played that I was that I'm really into. And I decided for our night on the town that I was going to dress up as that character. Mm-hmm. You you would have had no, no idea. I was just dressed oh, in yeah. black, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, he was and, just like, looking sharp and uh yeah, that, that was basically it. Yeah, so I go to this we go to this bar and one of the drinks there is just a a, a vampire drink straight up. Yep. And it's this weird and it was a weird I was nervous about ordering because it was like, uh, you know, like uh, a red wine with uh, cranberry and, and a couple other elements. And I was, yeah. and I looked at it and I'm like, it was, it was a red wine and liquors. Like, like, and like I was just, I, I was just like, ooh, this will either be like the most delicious thing or this is going to be horrible. And mm-hmm. it was my first drink, right? This is the yep. drink by which I judge the rest of the drinks at this bar. But I couldn't help myself. I'm a giant vampire fan. It's a vampire themed drink. They have blade art on the walls. Obviously, I'm all in on this. Mm-hmm. I order it. I take my first sip and I go, oh my God, this is delicious. Yeah. The, oh, the custom drinks? Yes. Yeah, 10 out of 10. Yeah. Like, like, yeah, they, they weren't all fancy. They were more just like in keeping with a theme. Their the theme is good. And also as somebody who was a, a formerly a bartender, there is something, there's beauty and simplicity when it comes to drinks. Oh yeah. So they were able to work within the theme without putting 50 different elements into it and overpowering what the essence of the drink was. Yeah. They, they weren't afraid to put just something like uh, the dude and it's just, you know, it's a, just a white Russian yeah, it's, it's plus just a white Russian with, with like a, a, a a little addition yeah or um you know something like uh uh there was one that was just very very classic um the one that i had was the thor the thor related one oh, and thor that related and one. yeah that was so that was like a whiskey mead you know mix like i was so so good yeah everything was subtle it oh, was the, the, sorry the the um the star wars blue cereal milk it was literally like a milk cocktail, which is a bit of a like departure from a normal bar, yeah. but certainly not unheard of. Mm-hmm. And you know, they, they found a way to make it blue and like to incorporate cereal milk into a cocktail, which yeah. is just absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Everything about this bar was fantastic. And I want to give some special props to the owner because we, we were out of town, obviously. Yeah. We, Vegas is a new, neither of us had ever been to Vegas before. Yeah, no, completely um, out of our element. Tourist. Yeah, as so we were being super touristy, just walking around, taking pictures. Um, didn't realize that we were talking to the owner at one point. Yeah. Um, just managed to talk to him. His name's Alex. He is absolutely wonderful. There's a lot of themed bars here in Austin. Um, and a lot of the times, and I won't call anybody out specifically, but a lot of the times, I understand the businesses have to make money, but sometimes the making money takes priority over the base that you're trying to build with the theme of your bar. Mm -hmm. And that didn't feel like that was the case with the millennium fandom bar. Correct. Um, Alex has created an environment in which it is great to be a nerd and to cosplay and to be yourself and feel comfortable as yourself in this environment, but also be a good, respectable business. But also when you talk to him for more than five minutes, you realize he's as much, if not more than a nerd than you are. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I, I had like, you know, I, I, I'm i on a fucking podcast. I know everyone has a podcast, but right. I'm literally on a nerd podcast in my mid to late 30s. Like, like I feel like my nerd cred is pretty solid. Mm-hmm. Um, may, maybe not as solid as a lot of other people's, but I'm good. Mm-hmm. This guy, yeah, I, I felt like, you know, like, like, a, like a duke in the presence of a king. Right. I felt like I, he's a, he, not only did I feel like comfortable in his 
bar, his mm-hmm. home, right? I felt like this was a guy that if I asked him, hey, could you come over for my D&D one shot next week? He'd be like, fuck yeah, if I got the time, I'll make it over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that absolutely. says a lot Very about the owner of the thing. And, and actually enjoyed the things he was putting in the bar actually curated it. Himself. Yeah. We had a couple questions and we won't spoil them about things that we saw in the bar. And there was very few, we got almost all the references and we're like, mm-hmm. okay, but there's like two. Yeah. And he's like, Oh, let me tell you about those. Yeah, and and he lit, story. he lit up, he lit up. And that was like, that was the sign. That's that nerd sign of like, I'm so passionate about the thing that I do. Yeah. And I loved that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, long story longer, if you have the time and you find yourself in Vegas, the Millennium Fandom Bar, please go there. Like, seriously, everything that you would want in a nerd bar, it is there. It is fun. It is welcoming as heck, and I can't wait to go back, personally. Yeah, same. I, I, I can't wait to go back. I would love for there to be one here locally, hopefully someday in the future. Someday like, in the yeah, future. Maybe we can... Um, you know, get that going. That would be amazing. That would be. All right, that's everything that we have for the prelude this week. We're going to take a small break. When we come back on the other side, we'll be going into the news in The Weekly Raid. The Weekly Raid. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the show. It is time for The Weekly Raid, your roundup of this week's geek news. Kicking things off this week, the roguelike action game Vampire Survivors is going to be getting an animated TV adaptation. Vampire Survivors was a surprise hit on its release last year, and the developers have gone on to say that this adaptation is a dream come true for them. Yeah, that's, I mean, what a wonderful fucking game. Like, like, like truly a great game. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, I can't think of, like, you know, a, a, like a better group of people for this to happen to. Yeah. This is a game that I've gotten more enjoyment out of. It's like three bucks on Steam. For three dollars than I have out of games that cost me well over 70. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have yet to get as much enjoyment out of Cyberpunk 2077 mm-hmm. because I haven't fully played it yet because it, it, it hasn't like been unbroken yet. Mm-hmm. That I have out of my three dollars for Vampire Survivors. It's mm-hmm. it, it's a that uh, I I can't think of a nicer group of people for this to happen to, or, or like a better game developer for this to happen to. Mm-hmm. Um, Super Giant would be probably next on my list, but mm-hmm. I might put these guys on. top. This is an indie developer who has uh, uh, obviously this is their first game, yeah. but they don't believe in any kind of crunch. Um, we have some great talent on staff, such as uh, Stephanie Sterling, who's oh, yeah. worked on all the lore for this. Yeah, yeah, r- writing character descriptions and like an absolutely fucking hilarious character. The lore is so funny. It's very, very funny. And the the best part about this is that Vampire Survivors, at its core, is basically just like a really fast version of Castlevania. So yeah. I almost imagine them doing like a Castlevania parody as their what their well, animated features. Well, that's was. the thing is like a lot of the assets and the things that you look at feel like. Almost um, uh, de de uh, de aged like, like derezzed, derezzed, yeah. Yeah. yeah, like assets from a, an eight bit Castlevania game, right? And that's the whole rub of it, right? Like it's a really small game with really interesting themes that all lean directly. They basically the launched a new genre, but yeah, yeah, they absolutely did because this is a small game with minimal input that basically operates a little bit like a casino slot machine Mm. in that, you know, you're kind of waiting for random things to happen. You idle out, you like barely control your character and it's weirdly soothing because the soundtrack is great and the action is just enough to kind of keep you looking at the screen. And every once in a while you like really hit big and suddenly you're excited, but you're still again, minimal input. And mind you, you're not, session. you're not paying for any of this. No, this $3. Is, this $3. Is the game is $3. There are no microtransactions. I think or nothing. got like 40 hours in it. Yeah. <laughs> it's $3. $3, 40 hours. Come on. You can't beat that. Yeah. But just, yeah. Wonderful game. Excellent piece of news. I wonder what they will do to get around the Castlevania stuff. It will be very interesting. Next up, the CW will be launching a docu-series this summer called The Greatest Geek Year Ever, 1982. Quote, an inside look back at the greatest geek year in cinema ever in 1982, with stars, directors, writers, producers, critics, and pop culture historians sharing their insights about such classic films as E.T. the Extraterrestrial, Blade Runner, Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, Poltergeist, Tron, and many more. It all came out in 82. Yeah. As soon as you said that, I was thinking to myself, there's no way. Like, 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 and the only reason that I think that is because geek shit has been coming up more and more frequently Mm -hmm. as time goes on. Right. 
Like, it hasn't seemed to have hit its peak yet. I mean, if you factor in all the comic book stuff, like, like oh my God. Mm -hmm. But yeah, with all of those, all of those absolute classics in a single year, like when you started naming them, I'm like, oh shit, that mm -hmm. might be the best year. Yeah. I, I first read this article and I went, wait, the CW is doing a docu-series? Yeah, that also. <laughs> That's also a thing they're doing? Yeah. Fascinating. Good for y'all. Very excited. Let's keep this nerd train going. During an interview this last week, James Gunn said that the main theme of the early phase of the MCU, that being the Infinity Saga, was thrown together in about an hour and a half. So I want you to think about that. The concept that built everything up until the end of Endgame, 11 years of movies, was just a series of quickly jotted down ideas. Now, this didn't, concept didn't start, obviously, with Iron Man. Right. They, they didn't get into the Infinity Saga until a few movies in. Yeah. Uh, specifically Guardians, because that's where the first uh, stone was introduced, right? But no. the well, uh, which one? The first stone is the Tesseract that comes out tesseract. of Captain America. Mm, I feel mm, no. I want to. I want to argue this one with you. I think the Tesseract is a retroactive stone. Okay. I think the first stone they actually mentioned by name was in Guardians of the Galaxy, which James Gunn worked on. That is true. And then they went back and said, "Okay, where can we put another stone?" And said, "Oh shit, we have this Tesseract thing. What if the stone's just inside of that?" That's, but okay, so because I don't think James Gunn because James Gunn I don't think was working. I he don't wasn't, know. but we, we got Thanos before. That's true. We, we got did. Thanos and Avengers, but there was no Infinity Stones at the time. No, that, that, absolutely not. Right, but but but, but, Gun but Guardians was post Avengers, and and in and and yeah, no, that that's actually I don't have a hard time believing it. It just doesn't make sense chronologically in my head. Sure, yeah. that the Tesseract was like, oh yeah, the stone that took him to space that works perfectly. Right, let's fucking use that. Yeah. yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah, but but yeah, it's just hilarious to think that 11 years worth of movies and some of the most successful movies in the history of cinema were created basically almost on a bar napkin while James Gunn was like, oh, yeah, stones, this is cool. And I don't, don't want to um, go into this conversation and be like, oh, well, that's how shitty it was that he just came up with a concept in an hour and a half. You got to understand that James Gunn has a history <laughs> with comic books. He yeah, has like, like one a of the, long history. like, like, I guarantee you this motherfucker read the infinity gauntlet as a kid and oh, yeah. just went, Oh yeah, this is cool. This all fits. If I, if we just do the infinity gauntlet, but not that we could, we could do this. That's mm. the reason it probably took 90 minutes yeah. is because he has all of that history with comic books to go back and say like, this is how we would do it. Yeah. I mean, he, he, he just based on what he's been making and what he's been writing and the way he's been, it's like, yeah, I, I, I thought of a way, I thought of a way to cut dead out death out of Thanos' story like ages yeah. ago. You know, there you go. Uh, and if you think James Gunn leaving to take over the DCU has caused bad blood between him and Marvel, honestly, you'd be dead wrong. Because in a recent interview with Kevin Feige, um, Feige went on to talk at length about how the success of the Guardians trilogy relied purely on James Gunn and his vision. Makes fucking sense to me. And in the past, we've heard that Feige has said that he would be the first person in line to see what James Gunn is doing next for DC. It's so nice. As somebody who is survived and it is in the middle in the middle of and all of these things related to the worst words in the world the console wars mm -hmm. good lord please oh, stop man. Yeah, um, ever. hearing the two comic because like when you were a kid at least when i was a kid you were a marvel kid or you were a dc kid right uh -huh, you were right. An, you were a nintendo kid or you were a sega kid of course that's how these things work yeah and now we have we live in a world in which the two biggest rivals uh, marvel and dc have had artists directors, writers, everything crossover between the two of them. And this is just me being a growing up, being a comic nerd. I kind of like the idea that maybe someday when the coffers are getting low, <laughs> somebody's going to be like, so you so want like, you, you ready to form Voltron? You want to do a crossover, bro? <laughs> yeah. Like, please, please. So, so speaking to your, like your childhood self, your nostalgia, I just like, if I was a child, imagining the best possible future for the MCU. Mm -hmm. And I'm talking like, like first MC Chris album levels. Like, Oh my <laughs> God, can you imagine what might happen now that Nick Fury has been at the end of both the Hulk <laughs> and Iron Man? Right. Like, like that, like that level of like, Oh my God, what, what could we be making here? Mm -hmm. The best possible future I could imagine is like, what if Marvel gets really big and then they start doing Avengers series and crossovers and like all their characters start intermingling in their movies and then they do like big movies every couple of years and mm. like, yeah, no, I fucking love this. And, you know, we can tell all the stories that we love and even more stories in the future. It was like, 
what if DC does the same thing? Right. What if we start getting like, like not just Batman, but let's get like Superman and Wonder Woman and the Flash and like everything else down the line. Let's get really weird with it. And then I was like, but what if like, what if the two people who ran these franchises were friends? What if and they, they took could, their action figures? Yeah. What if they could <laughs> like, you know, uh, yeah, like John Favreau and Dave Filoni style, just take out action figures and be like, well, my characters are doing this over here right now. And they've got like a five movie like stretch to go. And yeah. The other one was like my characters over here with Iron Man, since yours are like Batman, like we're going to come over here and do this thing. And like, what if we gave people amazing stories constantly that all like built off of each other without ever having to interact because we just want to make good money together. Mm -hmm. Like what if we were friends? Yeah. And what if, yeah. What like, if, like, what if, but what if? Yeah, well, what if we decided to take these things and just smush them together one time? What if we spent, like, very subtly, like, clues for years in the movies that we might do this? Mm -hmm. And then it happens. And then what happens when Moon Knight and Batman finally kiss? Oh, perfection. <laughs> the romance of it all. <laughs> <laughs> that is perfection. Uh, let's jump over some, to some gaming news. The remake of System Shock has finally gone gold, and it's going to be released on May 30th on PC. So if you're into the Bioshocks, this is the, the great-grandfather of those. Oh, yeah. Um, if you pre-order the game, which we don't recommend pre-ordering games, but if you do, you'll receive a copy of Night Dive's upcoming System Shock 2 Enhanced Edition as part of your pre-order package. That's, mm -hmm. that's two games for one. Yeah. So if you love yourself some System Shock, this is a good deal. Yeah. So, um, yeah, for anyone who doesn't know, like, System Shock is, like, the, the great, great, great granddaddy of, like, the immersive sim thing. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, and it, it, it's practically uh, unplayable these days, like, on modern hardware. It is, yeah. And even when you get it running, like, it doesn't have mouse support because <laughs> there weren't really mice when this game right. was made. And I mean, there were, but they weren't used for things like video games. That's what your keyboard was for. Mm -hmm. The shit is obtuse. <laughs> yes. Uh, like, to say the least, you, you will utilize every button on that keyboard. This one, this new one, this modern one, the reason that I've been waiting for this game to come out for nearly five years mm -hmm. is because they took everything that made that game great and made it a modern video game. Mm -hmm. And I've been following the development forever and it just looks absolutely beautiful. And I can't wait to experience the original system shock for the first time translated out of the original Latin before, <laughs> before we're a poor lay person. Right. And you know what? That's the thing is that when it came to system shock, um, I had heard, because I'd loved Bioshock um, and, and that whole franchise. One of my friends was like, Oh, well you should play system shock because that's where this comes from. And I was like, Oh, do I want to go like buy the original? And he's like, no, 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 no. Go with the second one. Yeah. The second one is much you better. You cannot play system. Shock. Yeah. You cannot play the original. You can play play the second. system shock too. And not, yeah. you can't play it. Like you can't get it. You can't play it. Like you just, you're just not going to play it. It's a, yeah, it's all, it's all Greek to you, bud. And yeah. I played the second one, uh, but I'm very excited. Like you said, to be, be able to play this one for the first time. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and you know what? We've been talking about this remake quite a, for, for years on the show actually because that's how long it's taken for this remake to get made yeah. when I heard it's gone gold I'm like we have to talk about it we have to oh, say yeah. finally we have, we that I, I, happening. I, I am so excited like <laughs> I'm like okay so just so everyone knows the day we're recording this uh, uh, Zelda um, the Tears of the Kingdom came out today to mm. uproarious fanfare it comes out technically tomorrow incredible reviews I yeah. guess the review embargo okay it's yeah, the day yeah, before yeah, yeah. I yeah. gotcha okay but yeah it's already got a 98% on like Metacritic yeah so, uh, like, I, I, as excited as people are for that game and to finally be released <laughs> for the hype they've been following, that's how excited I am for System Shock. There you go. Uh, let's talk about some more classic games. Double Dragon, the classic beat-em-up, is coming back this summer with a new game called Double Dragon Gaiden Rise of the Dragons. Holy shit, that fucking title. It title. will have 13. Teen playable characters and will be much closer to a roguelite where ran where levels are randomly generated and upgrades can be purchased between runs hector day one we are doing this. oh yeah we have to <laughs> like like i'll be bimmy and you can be jimmy <laughs> from the original and then like the actual all the actual names will be two characters and then like the 
you know, the the, the, the guy from Iron Chef America <laughs> and, and, and his co-star from the game will be two characters. I don't know where they're giving 13 fucking characters. 16? 13. 13, 13 characters. That's 13 from. total, yeah. Like, I just hope they're all variations of Bimmy and Jimmy. <laughs> but yes, I am 100% down to whoop ass roguelite style. That sounds A amazing. A beat em up roguelite just sounds like the funnest thing to it me. It does. It really does. Can't wait. Seemingly randomly this week, game publisher Ubisoft laid off about 60 people across both their U.S. and U.K. offices. Many of these layoffs happened without any kind of prior notice that they were going to occur. And Ubisoft said, quote, they were evolving its organization to focus on where we can have a significant impact while remaining steadfast in our commitment to consistently supporting our players anywhere in the world. Yeah, so that if you translate that, what, what, what they actually said was we, um, we bought back so much of our own stock that if we don't lay a bunch of you off, we won't be able to avoid the taxes we need from uh, uh, reaping this much profit in a single year. Therefore, if we lay you off, our stock will go up and we'll be able to keep all this money. Ubisoft. There you go. Yeah. There there it is. Right there, just out in the open. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, it is sadly the, the end part of the news this week is a little bit rough because the CEO of EA had a lot to say this week about the current state of the games industry. So let's get into some of those gems as we start to wind down the news. EA CEO Andrew Wilson said that as an industry trend, expect more and more game companies to keep buying up one another and that they would love to be a, quote, meaningful consolidator in that space. Ooh, that word. Let's talk about the words meaningful consolidator. I don't even know what that means. It means they want to buy up other companies. They are basically saying, we want to start doing what everybody else is doing, buying up a bunch of smaller companies and becoming a bigger juggernaut than EA already is. So, yeah, the worst thing, the, 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 the only company I would say is a worse company to buy other companies and then put them under their leadership umbrella be like Bethesda, like, like Todd Howard, but like it can't, but be Microsoft because, owns them, but Microsoft owns them. So I don't have to worry about that. Like, yeah, EA, like, no, yeah. no, absolutely not. This is no, it, 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 someone should buy you mm-hmm. and, and put you under ownership. Like, yeah, no, I, I would rather you didn't. Um, they are an incredibly rich company because they, uh, they they have the sports contracts. And they've also bought a lot of other companies over the years. And they've also bought and murdered yeah. some of my favorite companies yeah. over the years. So, yeah, I would I would like you to absolutely not buy anyone because all you do is make them make sports games and kill their companies. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's just one of those things that I was looking at everything they were saying. And you know what? This was the sad part is as I was going over this and as I'm citing my multiple sources for these interviews, um, I'm looking over it going like, you know what? The thing is, the first part of what his statement is, I agree with because this is what we've actually been saying on the show for a while, mm-hmm. which is as an industry trend, companies buying up other companies is far from over. Of course. That is the current industry 10 expected for at least minimum the next five years. Mm-hmm. Right. We have this entire thing going on with Activision yeah. where they're trying to be bought out by Microsoft. And we'll get to a little bit more of that later. Um, but that's that's a one whole ass thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, sad that they agree with us that we knew that this was going to be an industry trend for a while. Yep. Um, but oh God, the words meaningful consolidator reek of PR to me, just like, yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. Tiny piece of news from this week. T- very tiny piece. We were at a bar, so we didn't notice, but mm-hmm. on May the 4th, if you had, um, star Wars, Jedi survivor, the brand new game, mm-hmm. uh, from, uh, the, from star Wars, yep. NDA, EA you, respawn. Uh, yeah. If you wanted to play it on PC on May the 4th, which I mean, why wouldn't you, mm-hmm. you couldn't because the EA servers were down. Even if you had it on steam, like, like the EA servers have to be up to play your single player fucking star Wars game with literally zero interaction with any other client ever. Mm-hmm. Um, Happy May I the 4th, I don't want y'all. them to own anything. <laughs> I think they should own nothing. I think we should take things from them. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Wilson also talked about the use of AI in game development this week. Strap in for this one. Quote, the fear of displacement of, of the workplace is a legitimate issue as it pertains to AI. 
History has shown that major revolutions, like the agricultural revolution and the industrial revolution, led to displacement in the workforce in the near term, and then meaningful increases in job opportunities down the road. AI could follow a similar trajectory. Our hope, our hope, (laughs) says the bad guys, is that AI represents the same opportunity and we're working very closely with the inside of our company to ensure that our people benefit in a way that actually facilitate them doing more things. Yeah. Hector, tell me what he just said. Okay, so so here's what he said. He said, we are going to do our absolute best to fire every fucking buddy we can who we can literally type chat GPT shit into and it will spit out their work. Um, it doesn't matter if it's good. It really, really doesn't. It doesn't matter that chat GPT doesn't create things. It, it staples things together for you. What matters is that we don't have to pay chat GPT any money. <laughs> we have to pay them money. And when we don't pay people money, our stock price goes up, but we can buy more of our stock back. (laughs) So that the top five people in this company who do not make video games at all can, um, you know, make a little more money this year. Absolutely. As a famous poet once said, Hector, take me to church. Good Lord, sir. Like, like my God. Um, Yeah. So I remember that time in the Industrial Revolution where a bunch of people were like, well, maybe I don't have to make my own boxes. Someone will make them for me. And, you know, I needed because the nail factory hooked up with the, with the box factory. That's great. Now I can buy boxes. And a bunch of people got employed. Mm-hmm. And then the people who decided that they owned the factory and the machines because they paid for them were like, oh, yeah, all you people who make the nails, not me, I don't fucking make nails. Mm. Um, All you people who make the nails, uh, I don't like that you asked me for money, so I'm going to not give you any. (laughs) And then when you complain, I'm going to hire people to beat you up. That was the Industrial Revolution. Yep. What a comparison to make. <laughs> like, like, Jesus Christ. This is, you know what this statement says? This statement was him saying, I, I know how to hire Pinkertons. Right? Yeah. Right. Good Lord. Good Lord. Good Lord. How can you do that? How can you, you make know? that comparison? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. No. Just gross. In non-EA news, <laughs> as we wrap this hot mess up. Reports are coming in that the European Union will approve the acquisition of Activision Blizzard King for $68.7 billion. We should know more by the end of the month whether or not this deal is going through as July 18th is the deadline for the deal. So for those of you who have not been paying attention to our show, shame on you. We've been talking about this a whole lot, but Mm. this has been a very divisive purchase in that people don't know if they want it to happen or not. It needs to happen. Yeah. Please Just. save Blizzard. Please. They're they're not doing well. Yeah. We need somebody to take care of them. Mm-hmm. It's sad that we live in the shadow punk world, the, 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 the shadow run world of like fucking cyberpunk yeah. where you're saying, please, corporation, take over this studio and take care of these people because they're being robbed. They're being abused. It, it, it's weird to say that, like, like yeah, just, just, just please, corporate daddy, just take care of other corporate right. daddy's fucking people. He's an abusive father. He keeps hitting them. You hit your kids far less. <laughs> just please. Take his children the from worst him. analogy ever. It's yeah. so depressing. It's so sad. Uh, this is an industry that we love, that we talk about every week, that we that we get excited for, that we yeah. we watch you know these trade shows for, and we know that it's just capitalism selling us things. But we're like, yes, please sell us more things, capitalism. We love yeah. you so much. New Zelda's so much. Awesome. New Zelda <laughs> looks so good. I haven't wanted to play Zelda in years, and I'm looking at this one, going, man. I, I'm okay with staring at Link's booty for 120 hours. That, yeah. that sounds like a good time to me, sir. It does, yeah. Bring it. Um, but yeah, uh, we will know more here pretty soon whether or not uh, Microsoft is buying Activision Blizzard. So, all right. That's everything for the news this week. That was a lot. It was a lot. Holy shit. On the news. All right. But stick with us because as we get into our main topic, it's going to be pretty fun in the boss room. 
Boss Room. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. It's time for the Boss Room, our main topic that is sometimes related to the news, sometimes not. It's been quite a month for the Xbox division of Microsoft. Redfall just launched to maddeningly poor review scores. Yeah. It's been no secret that Microsoft's console is just not selling well. Phil Spencer, the head of Xbox, has been very candid about these issues, saying that Redfall didn't meet their expectations, and they do know about the current lack of interest in Xbox purchases. Now, before we start, and before we have this discussion, I do want to tell everybody out there, we are not going to be spending the next however long shitting on Redfall. We are not that kind of a show. No. Okay? The developers at Arcane have all spoken out on Twitter. A lot of them worked very, very hard on their project. Some of them can talk openly about why the game shipped the way that it did. Some of them can't. Mm -hmm. And that's not for us. It is not... Yeah. But guy, we, we, we look, don't know who signed an NDA. And I leave them alone. And we, yeah, exactly. We fault. we say this all the time. Developers, like, don't go online. Don't shit on developers. Yeah, right. Don't, don't and, shit on devs. Especially don't shit on artists. Unless unless like, they're like like racist or Nazis or something. Don't go shit on a developer. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Right, just, right, just, right. These are working people doing a job. They are if doing the, a job. If, if the project they worked on didn't come out right, there are project coordinators in this world. There are there are other people. managers in this world. Yeah. There are CEOs in this world who everything is supposed to fall on them, not just somebody. Yep. The actual, like, responsibility. Yeah, so we are not that kind of show. We are not here to do that. But yeah. We want to talk about the facts and what's been happening. So obviously a couple pieces of news have come out, but a little bit rough going for Xbox. Um, so what I do want to talk about is that these recent discussions, like, we talk about the, the Redfall not doing so well, mm -hmm. the consoles not doing so well, but we know a lot because we've been doing the show for 10 years. Yeah. Um, and we follow industry trends. We know that this is more than what Microsoft has in store, right? There are other projects, other things going on. And so what I want to get into is what's going to be next for Xbox? And is that going to be enough to keep them going, right? So let's kind of get into it. Um, I'm going to start with a very easy question, which is, you know, upcoming games, right? Question mark? Yeah, what, what upcoming games? So let's let's get the big one out of the way. Starfield. Right. Of course. We right. have Beth Bethesda, Todd Howard. Yeah. Let's talk about Ooh. Um, Yeah, again, we're not here to shit on We're not here to shit on things. But but historically But what we addressed is that Redfall released in a state that as far as what I've seen has been correctly reviewed in the public is, is what I will say about that game. Uh, based on its current state and playability. Mm. Um, now, to go back, and not to relitigate, but to go back and talk about the release of games like, most recently from Bethesda, Fallout 76. That is correct. That is a, a thing that they did release. Um, and, and if you want to go way back in time, you can, you can hear my opinions on the way that game released. They once let me talk for like 15 minutes straight about that shit, and and I I was not kind. Please do so, not go back and listen to our old episodes. Yeah, don't to Please do episodes. not do that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, then we like Fallout Four. That game released pretty broken. Mm -hmm. um, got patched, but yeah, it so, got patched and was eventually playable. better than better than when it started. Yeah. Um, it's still a better game than Fallout Seventy Six. Oh, absolutely, one hundred ten percent. Before that. Um, Follow New Vegas, and I don't want to make any enemies here. An incredible RPG that is nearly impossible to play in the state it is currently at with all of the patches it received after launch. Mm -hmm. um, it requires mods to, to basically be functional. A multiplayer online live service game. Yeah. I mean... Yeah. Um, uh, so yeah. I mean, uh, New Vegas? Yeah. Um, Fallout 3, again... It's certainly not bug-free. Yeah. So we're talking about a history of game releases coming out of Xbox, hard excluding Hi-Fi Rush. Mm-hmm. That so far, as far we as AAA games... Yes, but we do need to come back to that. We a, do. A pin in that. We do. Um, that have released uh, to nearly no fanfare, basically let mm -hmm. out to die, that have released broken and unsatisfying no matter how cool the project seems and no matter how badass the developer is, Arcane Austin. Yeah. Like, 
this seems it's like, upsetting like to, a bad it, trend. It's, it's upsetting to me as a gamer because when I hear broken and unsatisfying, I just figure you're talking about my sex life. Right, yeah. I, I am, know, in fact, both of those things. And, and, and we call this a James in this house. <laughs> uh, when do we want to say that? So while it, it, it's, the problem is that Xbox has been Jamesing lately, <laughs> and what we have coming up is a game with a lot of James factor. Like, like it, 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 it is just everyone just waiting for it to James all over the place. Like, like, like just broken and unsatisfying all over the place for like several months before anyone even wants to pick it up. This is not what Xbox needs. And, and right. what I'm saying, but before, because we talked about how we weren't going to shit on things. Right. So what I want to say is that I do not know, nor do I even think that this is how this game will release. Mm hmm. I hope deep in my nerd heart, because I fucking love space stuff. I, again, do not go back and watch our old episodes, <laughs> but I talk a lot about the expanse on this show and it's because I love space shit. And I really want Starfield to be good because it's my kind of RPG. Mm. It's a kind of, like, like put it in my veins. And, and because it's a Todd Howard fucking Bethesda fucking fallout studio game, I am skeptical as shit. But I want, from the bottom of my heart, for it to be good. Right. And if it is, I will be the loudest to celebrate. Mm -hmm. I really will. And I will say, here's what Microsoft did to get back, to get its fucking groove back. Mm -hmm. So there's been a lot of like rough releases. Console sales have been rough. Um, we need to spend a minute, though, talking about, before we talk about the future of Xbox... Let's talk about Hi-Fi Rush for a minute. Yeah. And that and not only Hi-Fi Rush, but I'm going to I'm going to band this together, a two for one deal. Yeah. Because while not a Microsoft product, it was a day one um, Xbox Game Pass launch which was Metal Hellsinger. Yeah. Metal Hellsinger got at least a few months of hype and trailers and day one Game Pass and we believe in this product. Yeah. Hi-Fi Rush and both of these are quality games, mm -hmm. got a, hey, BT dubs, that's out now. Yeah. Now, before we go any further in this discussion, I'm going to talk about history of video games. Yep, yeah. James is talking about history of video games. Here we go. You're Back, old. Yeah, we are old, and I am obsessed with the history of video games. Um, growing up, it was always fascinating watching E3 as, as, as a kid, as a, as a youngling, as a young one. And somebody would go do something like... Um, yeah, did you like what you saw on stage? It's out right now. Let me tell you, as somebody who's followed the history of video games, that tends to not work out well for most people. Yep. When the Sega Saturn was announced and say it came out today, they didn't have enough units to actually sell to most people, and that's one of at least 50 reasons the Sega Saturn tanked. Yep. And so it seems exciting when you when you hear it at the get-go, right? You hear, it's out right now. We literally just put the thing out right now. You can go do the thing right now. Yeah. But the thing is, there there's something to be said for promoting some things. Right, and then speaking of history, right. like most of the announcements that we get these days, and by these days I mean in the last decade, of it's out right now happen to be things like DLC for games. Things that right. you know already have an audience that you can be like, hey, exactly. you want more? We got some more of this. You, right. you want you want another hit? I knew right. you did. I knew you'd be back. I need more money. Right. Like, like that, that's like, like, and that's a good spot for it's out right now. But a game like Hi-Fi Rush, oh, that everybody God. saw the trailer for it, and everybody that I talked to, we talked, we literally did an episode yeah. when this whole, when the trailer aired, we said, holy shit, it's out right now. And I talked to all these people on Discord and just online to my friends, and everybody went, holy shit, I'm playing Hi-Fi Rush right now. Holy yeah. shit, this game is so good. It's, it's so out good. in game, fucking Game Pass Day 1. I love all of this. Yeah. And there's that part of me that goes... Did this game get what it deserved, though? No. No, it did not. Because it didn't get the time to get at least one trailer that said, hey, look at this really awesome game. Yep. No get hype. Get excited no, no for our awesome, our, our awesome game at that yeah. point. Like it's, like, like it had an amazing pedigree of studio and of, and of designer. It had everything going for it. People love rhythm games right now, especially rhythm games where they don't expect rhythm. And, and this is a character action game. It's a Devil May Cry. It's yeah. a it, it's an original God of War. It's a Bayonetta. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, but 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 with with music, but with music and two rhythm that must be executed. This is execution with a layer of execution under it. Right. Like this is amazing shit. 
and it was right up my alley. And I couldn't believe I was playing it the day it launched. I think mm. I said, when we were done with that episode, I'm going to go home and play this. And I yeah. did. Yeah. And I loved it. And I feel like it deserved more fanfare. It did. it was a huge hit. It Xbox still deserves more Pass. fanfare. It still does. I still yeah. want to tell everyone about Hi-Fi Rush and that you should play it. And that the Xbox Game Pass is still the best deal in gaming. Um, but man, yeah, it could have used like a Super Bowl commercial, I think. Right? Yeah. And that's the thing is that we take something like Metal Hellsinger, which in my opinion is niche as Hi-Fi Rush is. Mm-hmm. Metal Hellsinger? Oh, yeah. That is super niche. That is, oh, yeah. That, yeah, that, yeah. That, Rhythm FPS? That is... game was catering to me. Yeah. <laughs> right? It's a, a first-person shooter rhythm game based on metal acts that I listen to and know yeah. like eight other people in my life that listen to them. Yeah, but not only, but like they're, they're real bands. That's the best part. It's oh yeah. Bands and real songs. Serge Tonkin does like a song in the game. Like, yeah. Like fucking Lacuna coils in yeah, on that shit. Yeah, they are like, like it, it's a really, but, but that game soundtrack. that is already very niche got at least a couple months lead up. Hi-Fi rush got the, Hey, it's out right now, which exciting for those of you that were watching E3 and then it's all word of mouth after that that's the problem is that it's those who are watching e3 or whatever game you know fucking thing it is yeah and then word of mouth after that hi-fi rush is amazing and was shipped out to die yeah they were basically waiting for like no one to see this and download it like like there was nothing The, the the trailer for it didn't even go up to youtube until after that show like, I think the priorities on Microsoft, the Xbox Studios ends, have to change because they have spent the last eight years buying up studios. We talked about this earlier. Yep. We're there, we are in a culture of buying up game studios and doing these bigger conglomerate game studios, and they have the talent. They have things like Tim Schafer on board, you know, doing everything that Tim Schafer does when it comes to like Secret of Monkey Island stuff. Oh, yeah. You have things like you know uh, the the team that did hi-fi rush oh yeah you have the team that did metal Hellsinger. you have like we we're on the yeah. verge of blizzard being bought out by microsoft yeah let, let's not forget yeah like, like you mentioned tim schaefer psychonauts 2 psychonauts! was an exclusive uh, uh, an exclusive on game pass and on xbox and it's an excellent fucking game yeah and y'all should all play it and like this is a hit and, and, and you're right they they need to you, you remember the, the, the thing that I keep saying, and I forget where I got it from. It's not my original idea, but at some point, and, and now that we've seen all this shit that we talked about earlier with James Gunn, at some point, Disney and, and Marvel figured out not to fire the weirdo right. for being weird and just let the weirdo make the movie that everyone's going to love. Mm-hmm. I think Xbox needs to figure out that if your game isn't a major franchise... And it is an original idea, and it is a little off-kilter, something like Psychonauts, something like Hi-Fi Rush. Maybe give it a lot of attention. Maybe mm. give it a lot of push. Maybe give it a lot of money. I'm going to make a suggestion. hit on your hands. I'm going to make a suggestion. This is a, this is a very minimal money suggestion. This is not a million-dollar suggestion. This is a, hey, Microsoft, you could probably do this. I know you're listening to the show right now. Hi, Microsoft. How are you doing? Hey. If you want to listen to my idea, this idea will cost you about... Oh, let's say max $150. Yeah. Right? Here you go. Here's my proposition. Because you're not going to buy them because they're going to say no, hopefully. Go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say grab $400. Mm. $400 max. Walk down to Devolver Digital. <laughs> grab their executives and say, we are taking you out for dinner and drinks. And listen to them. Yeah. And here's the thing. Here is the thing literally the thing Mm -hmm. that you need to be paying attention to is that all of their advice they've already given away for free on the games developer conference YouTube. Yeah. They talk about how to find the weirdos, Mm -hmm. how to find the interesting games, how to not need a publisher. Yeah. Go listen to them. Yeah. And, 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 and you, you could also learn what not to do by watching their amazing e presentations. <laughs> right. Like, don't be that company. Right. Like, yeah, they, 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 you have everything you need for free, but you owe them dinner and drinks. You do. And basically so it. The, next, the next question we have to get into when we talk about Microsoft is, should Microsoft, the Xbox division, make another console eventually? Um... I don't think they want to, and okay. I don't think, and I think they're right. Um, I don't know if they're going to try again. Mm-hmm. Um, the Xbox 
One X. I think that's the whole title. I'm trying not to make fun of them right now. I know, but um, the, so the 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 the, the big the, the, the obelisk box. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a console that you know lost about like that had like a thirty percent drop off in sales relatively early in its customer life cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, this is at a time where people post pictures of a of PlayStation fives in retail environments. For other people to be envious of because they know the person who posted the picture bought it. Right. Um, a time where, it, and it has been years since it came out, mm-hmm. that you cannot get one. Mm-hmm. Um, I would not be surprised if they did not make another console and went all into game development. And to be honest, it's it's a much safer bet. And what they're trying to do, I think, is build the digital library and do the Netflix thing. Sure, yeah. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they tried to get into the Steam Deck game. Mm, interesting. Okay. That is something you can do. Asus is doing one. Mm-hmm. Asus, the, the, the PC manu- hardware manufacturer, and they do other stuff too. Mm-hmm. The peripherals and all that. Um, like They probably want to get into there too. And, and just to let everyone compete in that space is an amazing idea because I want my PC library to follow me around. Sure. I do. And I can already, through a simple and legal hack, um, get Game Pass running on my Steam Deck. Right. So, like, like this is a, a done deal. That kind of leads me to my next question, which is, should Game Pass be their main platform? And if so, is that sustainable for them? I think if they, because they're, they're buying up studios, they have the ability to pay people well yes. to make video games. Yes. Um. And put them on their platform, and subscribership is the thing. Mm-hmm. And if they were smart, they would work on that subscribership model. Mm-hmm. Sure. Right now, Game Pass is just over $10 a month-ish. Um, I believe they're planning on raising the price. This is a stupid idea. This is the Netflix idea. Netflix is incredibly unpopular right now. Right. Even though they are still the industry leader, people don't like them. What you should do is learn from what Nebula is doing and offer people yearly bundles that cost less than paying for it every month. You will get a ton of cash up front from people who are just sitting there like loving that they have Game Pass for a year. Yeah. Uh, PlayStation Plus has this exact same thing. Xbox Live has this exact same thing. Give me the ability to buy a year of Game Pass and I will do it. If you gave me the ability to buy two years of Game Pass at an even deeper discount, I might consider doing so that. So you can buy a year of Game Pass, but like it's the discount is okay. Okay. So what you're saying is that like give me you the option to buy Game Pass year or for multiple years the deeper discount. Right. And or with that like, you can translate that to Right, because like like it it it, 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 it translates to cash up front to right. more cash up front. Right. Use it to fund games. And, like, I don't know what else you want. Make that platform as good as you possibly can. Right. And by that, we mean listen to Devolver Digital, find the weirdos, find games that people really want to play, that they can play on any device, including the Obelisk box that some people are still buying. Sure. And, um, you know, make that the best environment for it. But otherwise, we can play it on our smart TVs, and we can play it on our Steam decks, or whatever you want to mm-hmm. make in that vein. Uh, we can play it on our PCs, of course. Xbox is the leader in cloud gaming technology right now. It is. It absolutely is. That's what borked their deal. <laughs> <laughs> and, and like that's the, but but you can leverage that into something that's great for gamers and still profitable for you. Maybe again to, to mention James Stephanie Sterling again tonight. Um, and the thing that they often say is um, maybe you don't need to have all of the money. Right. You know, maybe you could be happy making games and making enough money to have profit and still pay your people and just exist in a video game space in such an incredibly wholesome way that you will just get everyone to show up because that's all you need to do. Everyone showed up to Netflix because it was the best deal. And the reason you don't have that right now for Game Pass is because one, you just need to put it in front of more people. Sure. Advertise it more. And B, just nurture their service. Mm-hmm. Like, it is it is the best deal, but if you can m- let everyone know that you are an entity that is good for gaming and you are a cheap subscription and you give them access to a ton of games, that people they'll show up. Yeah. They will show up. Imagine if you had a subscription for $10 a month from every gamer on the planet. Mm-hmm. That's enough money for you to not think, oh, God, we need to figure out a way to make more money next quarter. It's true. 
So we've been really kind of obtuse about this whole thing. We've been talking about like some 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 basic concepts, like you know maybe don't be greedy stuff like yeah. that. Um, and we're and we've been saying like maybe we, they don't need to go the console route. Maybe the cloud gaming route is working for them. Maybe Game Pass is working for them. The big question that we do need to kind of ask, because and I want to go back to again not. We're not here to shit on anybody, but because things like the console is not working out so well, because Redfall obviously did not do well at its release, the upcoming next big thing by Microsoft slash Bethesda slash yeah. all of that is Starfield. Yep. What does Starfield need to do to kind of make up for these, you know, these bumps in the road that Microsoft has been going through? Um, in, in, in the absolute incredible danger of sounding conceited right now, they need to make me happy. And I mean me specifically. I am an absolute Bethesda skeptic. Mm -hmm. Um, I, because of the way it launched and because of the way that they monetized their DLC and everything else, I never got all the way through mm -hmm. Fallout 3 or mm -hmm. 4. Um, I have yet to play New Vegas, even though I want to. I'm kind of hoping for Vegas is Obsidian, so so it's not that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's not them. It's not them anyway. That, that's not the point. That game was was asked to be ready before it was ready. Yeah. Um. But uh, at Fallout Four, same thing. Like like I have seventy six. Uh, there's a long history with me and them and me hating them. Uh, like that. That's a bad game. Um. If they could release a game that I could look at reviews for and be like, oh, this is. This seems ready enough that, that I want to play it. It doesn't seem like a broken mess. Mm -hmm. And then I do, and then I love it. That's that's what they need. The favor is back in your eyes. Yeah. Right. They need to convince me. Okay. I because if they do that, Microsoft's back. Yeah. So you're saying you're the baseline for most, the, the average quote-unquote gamer. Correct. The Chad gamer is the Hector standard. It's it's not me about everything or even most things yeah. or even anything other than this. Yeah. But with this, they need my approval. If they can get my approval with this game, then yeah. They've got everybody else's approval. Then, then, then they did it. And then Microsoft got is it. back. I can see that. Yeah, for me, I think honestly Starfield, um, it's got to come out. And this is me almost reinterpreting your words. It's going to come out quality. It's going to come out with high ratings. It needs to come out with not game-breaking bugs. It needs to, and this is just an industry, not not industry, but industry term, Bethesda jank. Yeah, yeah, right? but that jank. That jank you know right. all about. Right. And I think you come out with that, and that t my, that's Microsoft and Xbox division saying, hey, we bought these specific game companies for a reason. We are taking over the oversight of this. And making sure that what's coming out is a quality product. All right, final question is just for you, Hector. Mm -hmm. If after what has happened with Redfall, we hear in say two weeks, um, by the way, Microsoft has pushed back or, or, or mm -hmm. uh, Bethesda's pushed back Starfield for another three months, how do you feel about that? I would trust the release more. Okay. Um, one thing uh, that happened on Twitter, and I know that it was not for Twitter to decide that I agreed with was uh, a few months ago, um, the our Arcane Austin announced that um, Redfall would unfortunately not be releasing with a 60 FPS mode on Xbox consoles, right. even though the PC release was uh, hardware based and the PlayStation 5 release would have a, uh, no, there was no PlayStation 5 release. I'm sorry, yeah. that's not true. Um, there's no PlayStation 5 Redfall, uh, but it's released on Xbox rather than PC would unfortunately only have a 30 FPS mode. Mm -hmm. The big sentiment on, on online, on Twitter, on Reddit, everywhere was just delay it. Delay it until it's ready. For whatever reason, you decided to release it um, three days after Jedi Survivor and a week and a half before Tears of the Kingdom. Um, just delay it. Get out of that horrible spot. I really want to play this Left 4 Dead vampire game that we thought we were getting. Yep. Um, delay it until it's ready. Delay it until it can be released really well on the Xbox and the PC. That's all anyone wanted. So if Starfield comes out and says, "Hey guys," if they they do, well, I don't need any other they, any other explanation than, "Hey guys, we don't think this is ready yet. Um, we're gonna release. We're, we're gonna delay it three months." I would say, "Are you sure not six? Right. And I don't mean that to put down Bethesda. I mean that to say, release it when it's done. Release it when it makes you happy. Like, right. because I can't be there and you're not going to pay me to be there. That's not realistic. But release right. it when you think it would make me happy. Mm -hmm. 
uh, delay it to the end of the earth. I would feel great if they said, hey, we're going to delay it. But if they don't and it comes out great, I'll, I'll say like, no, they had this shit. Sure. They absolutely have this shit. Yeah. Please do that. Yeah. Please I, make me retract what I just said. I completely agree with you. <sighs> We've been trying to be positive. We've been trying to say that the future of Xbox is very strong, that there are very good possibilities, but they need to course correct um, in such a way that they regain the public's trust, right? Yeah, 100%. That, that's exactly what it is. And and, and again, to, to shit on EA, who was not off limits this episode. <laughs> they are not off limits. Um, uh, Jedi Survivor launched pretty shitty, and they're patching it. They're patching it, and one day that will be a well-running very good video game. Because mm-hmm. it's a very good video game that has a lot of technology flaws, bugs, and you know just performance issues that can be patched. There's a good game in there. But between that and this, by this I mean Redfall... And what might be like, like, like we're really worried about PC ports is what I'm trying to say. PC ports have not gotten a lot of respect and even console ports outside of first party games have been pretty shaky lately. Mm -hmm. So what Xbox needs is a first party game like Starfield Mm -hmm. that releases beautiful the way Tears of the Kingdom just did or the way God of War Ragnarok did. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. All right. That is a lot of show that we've done for you today. I hope you've enjoyed yourselves. I hope you enjoyed our topics. Um, That's everything that we have for the show this week. Don't forget that you head over to goodnight.gg to be a patron of our show. You can head over to facebook.com slash gnggcast where you can chat with us as well as at gnggcast on Twitter to talk to me specifically. Uh, I do want to know your opinions. Do you think that Microsoft is struggling right now in the middle of the console wars? Uh, do you think that they have the ability to kick it back up? I, I do not want hate. What I want is discussion and discourse. What yeah. we as nerds are so good at is discussion and debate and discourse, yeah. not angry yelling. I mean, no. we're really good at that, but I don't want us to be good at that. Yeah, no, 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 one, no one likes that. We're tired of that. We've yes. been tired of that since COVID started. We, we have been so tired of yeah. it. Uh, we are here for the love and encouragement and saying like, hey, things are good, but they could be better. Yeah. And that's everything we have for the show this week. But until next time, for Hector, this is James. And for James, this is Hector. Everyone, until next week, good night. And good game.